cut but morally corrupt, it's the Forwards Backwards Podcast. Not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe, and not from the Gimme Some Truth Studios. This week, we discuss a shocker, two for the pink, one for the stink, of a win over Union Omaha, a one-two draw versus FC Tucson, and try our best not to mention the 5-0. I'm Keith Ponywaz, and as always, I'm joined by the Alan Shearer to my Craig Bellamy, Kyle Carr, the hardest working man in Madison sports podcasting. Dan Fallon and producer Paisley are on sabbatical. Kyle, should Desmond or Sterling need it? Will you suck their toes like Paul Scholes? Nope, 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 absolutely not. Nope, nope. Not I love those kids. I love those kids. Absolutely not. Uh, well, they're still at the age where they can suck their own toes, probably because they're basically like big balls of jello inside. Desmond, of them. Desmond, it's working on it. Sterling, Sterling, not so much. That could definitely get there, but yeah, I'm not doing that ever. Not for anyone. <laughs> no one in the world. I no. <laughs> like I'm not over here kink shame, but um, it's also it's like it's his daughter. Like that's the bigger problem. It's like that's your daughter. If it was his wife, I'd be like, I mean, you do you, but like. If it was a partner, then fine. But if it's your child, a grown child at that, no, 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 absolutely no. Not, not for Kyle. Not absolutely for Kyle. not. No. Uh, so went to the match. By the way, uh, speaking of Dan Fallon, I uh, went to the match. Dan Fallon was there. Was a little late to join me in our standard behind the goal uh, position. Um, he said he spent 10 minutes petting the, the animals cause they had the petting zoo set up. I don't want to cast any aspersions on young Dan Fallon, but I think he may have been under the influence of, uh, a, a certain drug, um, that makes doing things like petting animals, particularly enjoyable. And, uh, you know, you may get lost in that sort of activity for 10 minutes. Uh, he did also want me to point out that Lapsley's, uh, goal kicks, Really kind of uh, crappy. Um, they didn't make it more than about 35 yards uh, down the field. Uh, so, um, And then final note, he turned to me at one point. And he said, if, all, if I knew all of these people were going to ask me where I had been, I may not have come. So I urge all of our listeners to come up to Dan Fallon uh, at the final home game. He said he'd be there uh, and come up to him and ask him where he's been. Uh, I mean, putting it out there in the world would have helped. <laughs> he, he he just went off the map. He, right. you know. Like you can't expect people not to ask when you just ghost everything. <laughs> he said, I've been back for a month, but you know, I traveled and we haven't had home games and this and that. And it was, it was a, you know, series of, of excuses. Uh, like I way, know he was alive because in our certain group chat that we'll not talk about, like he has met post, he has, message us for that yeah like that um, is so i knew he was alive but a lot of people well you know. <laughs> but it's like neither one of us had any idea what state he was in we just knew he was watching you know the the team that we won't mention uh, i don't difference. even know if he was in the country half the time to be honest yeah, yeah it, it was unclear uh by the way producer paisley is at my parents uh their dog sitting her as a preparation for me going out of the country at the end of november um and uh so i'm a little worried that Producer Paisley has uh, outstayed her welcome, and it was very weird though coming home with no dog in the house. It was it was odd. It, it, it seems very quiet. And like this morning, like I woke up and I'm like, 
anxious to like, Oh, I got to get up and walk her and she's not there. It, it, you know, so, uh, you know, it was just very odd. Like I almost went for a walk by myself. I almost took myself for a walk. I think the nice thing is when at the, cause I take Gio out at the end of the night and when he's not there, cause he's either at Emma's parents or my parents. And then I just sit there and I'm like, Oh yeah. I don't have to get out of my bed at eight 30 at night to take him out one last time. And when I wake up, it's, Oh, I don't have to rush to get him out of the door in the morning. Like, this is great. Yeah. You're I like, Oh, I don't have so to, they can do it. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to think like 20 minutes earlier for wherever I'm going to go. It's, it's kind of nice. Uh, so a couple of matches over the last week, week 29 in, in USL league play. Uh, we, we had a two, one win against union Omaha that briefly combined with, uh, then a Fort Lauderdale win on Friday night. And boy, is it tough to root for a team with a Neville and a Beckham on it. Uh, that briefly with that kept uh, playoff hopes alive going into the Saturday night match with uh, FC Tucson. Let's first uh, kind of get to the three points uh, with Union Omaha. Uh, 2-1 win. Uh, two goals from Josiah Trimmingham, which will be our second point. One on a, uh, a PK that uh, seemed relatively richly deserved. We didn't hear much uh, complaining from forward Madison. Um, but our, our first point there is chat shit, get banged. And we've stolen that point from our, our friend Andrew uh, Schmidt at uh, New Dogma Zine. Uh, but it was, I think, rattling around in, in everyone's mind, for those of you who aren't familiar directly, uh, apparently on their podcast, uh, one of our loyal fans of Forward Madison actually listened to their podcast and they basically mocked Forward Madison for about 20 minutes of the 45-minute podcast. Shout out to, to the fan who did that because I've tried to listen to that Union Omaha podcast. Um and uh, it's unlistenable. Like, you know, we may have Paisley barking, but it's not like in the leadoff, right? It's not like in the beginning where you can easily edit out, right? It's like right. So they had like the dog barking. They had like they couldn't get their mics working. Like even by the low, better without standard audio standards that we uphold, Kyle, not a fun podcast to listen to. But that seemed to we'll say spark something in, in forward Madison, listening to that shit talking and got them going leading into the match. I mean, we're giving this more attention than it probably deserves at this point. I mean, I had said last week, I, you know, I said there are no fun losses. I think the players after that, any Derby loss, they could have easily folded. They could have easily just given up. They didn't, they came in, they came in with an edge. Maybe it was from that podcast. Maybe they knew that their backs were against the wall and getting eliminated officially would have been it. I don't know. I just applaud them. And I mean, I, this whole thing has just gotten out of hand really is fucking stupid. At this point, we know in USL League One and lower division soccer, there we know these players. We've at least met them. We've talked to them. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that they're going to hear shit that we say. Like I can confirm Marco Micheletto has heard shit. I've said like people hear what is said. So if it's going around that someone's saying all this shit, the player's going to find out. And if that's what they needed for the edge, great. And is what it is. I, at this point, 
that that's all. I'm I'm done giving this more attention than it needs to because it really shouldn't get that much more attention. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Like, I, all I, we're all you know all what's gonna happen is they're gonna turn around and be back in the mansion and talk about all, all, all this stupid Twitter thing. And at this point. I want to focus on Chattanooga. Like I, I want to. We can talk about this match. We can talk about Tucson, but that's what I. I, I want to talk about the matches itself. I don't need to give a shit about Twitter. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, so if you want to go on your tangent, that's fine. I'm just I Kyle. Kyle, growing up. No, all I was going to say is you know Union Omaha has wanted to be our rivals for our time and time again, and and have made this you know push to be our rivals and yada yada yada. And quite frankly, I'm always going to think of Union Omaha as the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and that, you know, if you're from Wisconsin, if you're a, a Packer fan, you know, you, you think of your rivals and it's the Chicago Bears. And then there's the Minnesota Vikings who are nearby, theoretically a rival, but, eh, you know, it, you don't want to lose to them. But in order for there to be a true rivalry, I have to have some deep down respect and uh, they're just not all of the union Omaha base, you know, fan base, but uh, there are a couple of people based on what you've mentioned on their Twitter, you know, that one, they don't get the jokes Two, They repeat the same jokes over and over again. That's not banter. That's being boring. Uh, banter is clever. Um, you know, so if you make another, you know, uh, um, you know, forward, Madison more kits than wins joke. If you're the eighth person to make that joke, it's not banter. It's just being annoying. Um, it's also we've made that joke. when I was gonna say it's also past that when we ourselves can, are making those jokes yeah. and are just like whatever about it. Yeah. So you know, even if Chairman Schmidt wasn't happy initially, <laughs> eh, you know, <laughs> you know. Well, uh, that's what it is. <laughs> you know. <laughs> If I if I'm not pissing someone off, I'm not really doing my job, uh, and so uh, you know what I'll just say is you know we, there are certain fans in there they're they're doing a great job. It's great that they're now getting you know at least double digits of fans into the stadium on the berm. You know that's fantastic. Um, I'm really proud of them. Um, you know, and they've been padding their attendance numbers tremendously. Um, you know. I watched that match on, on Wednesday um, and there are at least 1200 people. I'm sure it'll get reported at 3,200. Um, so, you know, really, really tremendous work. Um, great work. Um, and, you know, I'd like to thank as well forward Madison for paying me to say these things as well. So uh, excellent work, you know, Kyle, you and I, we are totally sponsored by the club and they send us a check bi-weekly. Um, yes. so that's a that's beautiful awesome. check of zero dollars. <laughs> yeah. Um, so fantastic. Now that interest uh, is really kicking. Once that interest kicks in, it's yeah, over. Well, I, I know, can retire. It, it, look, it's compounding, right? You just compound that out. And in 20 or 30 years, we're going to be in great shape. You know, yep. um, I don't even think, you know, uh, somebody has bought us a beer on the friends with benefits board. Um, that's how low we are in the, the ecosystem. And this is not a cry for, you know, buy us a beer because I do not want your beer. I don't want your pity beer at this point. Um, I will pay I mean, for my own beer. Kyle will take, take a pity. Kyle, Kyle will take my pity beer. So yeah. buy Kyle a beer. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, that reminds me, I, I think we're finally going to be at the, the match together on Saturday night. You're going to be there. You're not going to be at weddings, all that fun stuff. Um, but watching the game on, uh, you know, Wednesday night, it's been an outstanding complaint. It's really hard to watch those matches with the, uh, you know, on the baseball fields. It's just, it just is, it's a fact of life. Um, it was a windy night in union Omaha and that brings up. So point number two, Josiah Trimmingham had two goals. One was totally unaffected by the wind, you know, kind of a scramble in the box and he banged it in. Uh, the second was, uh, they basically had a turnover. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with, uh, Rob Chapel that, uh, Christian Enriquez's pressure forced the guy to play the ball. Uh, Enriquez was like five yards away from the guy. So it wasn't that close, but he, he played it back. Uh, poor touch. Trimmingham picked it up and one touch lobbed it into the net. And so what was your reaction to this goal? Oh, I was cackling. It was hilarious. <laughs> I was just laughing. Just the manner because it because the first goal happened and it's like, okay, that's just a scramble in the box. You know, Sierkowski and Jimmy are both there. They can get to it. Great. You finished it. Good job. The second one was just a, that was a fortunate ball to get to Josiah. And that was fine. And he could have easily just kept running and trying to, like, he could have done a lot of things. But the fact that he just perfectly placed Chip, too. Like, this is great technique, great touch, soft, soft touch. Gentle, gentle, soft touch for the big man. as it It was just the fact that how it just, looped over and just went and, and and then the celebration after like i was just laughing that uh, was celebration that jay mims the arbiter of all things class in usl uh league one called uh classless uh i'll note and you know i'm not again gonna say anything to jay mims other than why do you always look like you're crying um oh yeah because i've seen two videos and they've been after two of your losses to forward madison um, but, uh, you know, first of all, I hate when people say, well, that was classless. Um, you know, that, I mean, just- again, with that, if the players heard the comments and got a little pissed off at them, you're gonna, uh, that's the thing. When a team has their back against the wall, they're going to do what it takes to win. And they're go- like, it is what it is. Yeah. I guess that's, that's all I'm going to say. Like. I would if I were to go on a tangent about how trash, say, Chattanooga's players are, and then all of a sudden Chattanooga's players hear it, and if they score on Saturday, do the same thing. Yeah, I would completely get it. Uh, you know, um, I also you know would point out that what they've had two guys arrested this year, um, and uh, you know another guy right. one okay, and then they had another guy suspended for his uh, sexist comments. So maybe uh, J Mims shouldn't be handing out lessons on class to the rest of the league also here's the thing if this was a u8 game and he did this if this was a u12 game and he did this you can make that comment they're professionals you know what like man up and take it the stakes were high for both teams like one team needed to win to survive the other team had a chance to clinch first place like the stakes were high for both teams and, and, you know, my emotions feeling, run high, <laughs> you know, my, my general feeling, and this is, you know, you grew up in the Pony Wise household and this argument, by the way, doesn't go well. If you make it to, um, if you're in a relationship and you make it to your partner, don't recommend it. But in the Pony Wise family, the solution to, uh, 
saying something stupid and being told that you said something stupid was not to say stupid things in the future. So say you concede a goal to Josiah Trimmingham uh, and, you know, you get scored on the, the solution in the future, as far as I'm concerned, and, and you don't like his celebration is not to whine about his celebration. It's to not concede goals in the future. Well, and that, that was also what I was thinking is if you didn't like the celebration then don't allow the goal to happen. It's like, if you don't want it to happen, if you don't like how something's going to happen, then don't let it happen. Don't get shipped from you know, that far out. I, I, don't I would, misplace I would feel your like, past. You know, Michael Jordan, probably some point in, you know, one of those documentaries, either the dream team one or the, you know, the bulls one, the last dance probably said, Hey, if you don't like me trash talking you get better. Um, you know, so that, that, you know, seems to be my message there. Um, what's even more incredible though, about that chip was, and, and you saw it in the second half, a couple of times when forward Madison was trying to clear the ball, the wind was whipping around. And so like, I don't know if, you know, if he had a brief moment where he channeled Tom Watson from the 1982 U S open, but that was like golfer level touch where he, he, he hit it. It floated in the wind just perfectly. It was struck. So I don't know how hard he actually hit it because, you know, the wind may have knocked it down, but it looked perfect. So, uh, you know, it was one of those where it was just like, this is, this is incredible. I, I don't um, care what his intentions were. He knew that he was, he chipped, he knew chipping the ball was this answer and that was the correct answer. And what happened after that? I don't care. It was beautiful. It went in the net. <laughs> And I am going to vote for it for goal of the week because it was a beautiful chip. Oh, it, I it, appreciate a, a great yeah. chip goal. And that was a great chip goal. A, absolute, uh, you know, goal of the week candidate. Now, uh, dear, dear listener, uh, floor Mingo's David Magnus from Florida asked me if this performance had, had changed my mind on the Josiah Trimmingham experiment. And I told him, absolutely not. Um, you underestimate my st- you know, level of stubbornness, stubbornness, um, and that I'm still holding to that opinion and going down with that particular ship. Um, I'm okay with that. And, and, you know, we've, we've spent enough time talking about that particular thing. All I'm going to say is it's working. (laughs) (laughs) What I, what I will say is, uh, we fell into an old habit, uh, drop deep, conceded a penalty. Fortunately, uh, this time we held on, um, and you know, uh, uh, you know, as Depe- Dr. Depesh Navasaria, also known as the flamingo doctor by my mother, uh, you know, made the comment that he could hear my blood pressure from three blocks away. Uh, I was spending a lot of time white knuckling down the stretch, waiting for the whistle to blow because we, we, it, it just kept going and kept going and we were hanging on by a thread. We had gone down to the corner several times to try to run out the game. Uh, it just like the clock kept going and kept going. And, and fortunately, unlike, uh, in past occurrences, uh, it, it held on for our third point though, we're going to cheat a little bit because it also blends into point, uh, uh, um, uh, into the following game, Saturday night's game against FC Tucson, because one of the goal scorers that night was Aaron Malloy. And so our third point is what we talk about when we talk about Aaron Malloy, because 
week in, week out. Um, you know, we saw a rare moment against FC Tucson where actually in about the eighth minute, he had a giveaway, um, gave the ball away to, to FC Tucson. Fortunately, it didn't lead to a goal, but we saw a rare moment um, there from him. But otherwise, he has been, I would say, probably not just the best player um, for forward Madison, but probably in the league, um, which, you know, everything going on has been incredible. Um, so just, you know, a couple of, of points. He's had four goals, including the, the goal uh, last night, which for a de- defensive center midfielder is is tremendous. He's also had three assists on uh, on that and leads the team with 53 chances created. Second is another guy that we've really uh, liked and, and, you know, thought has done a great job in Derek Gebhardt, who has 24. So he has more than double the nearest. Uh, Kyle, what do you, what do you think about, you know, uh, Aaron Malloy? He has been Ford Madison's MVP. And honestly, you can make the argument that he is a top five MVP candidate. I had him as six, not anything in regards to his performance. It's just the ones that I put ahead of him all had outstanding cases. I think he will make, I think he, should make team of the year first team at that. Like I, there are very few midfielders who strength, who keep the team as together as they can, as Aaron Malloy, like 53 chances created is third in the league behind Ricky Ruiz and via there over in Omaha. And honestly, it, he could probably had more assists if we were better, if we were more clinical, he's leading the league in passes. He's leading the league. He's, like fourth and crosses like he is consistently been the metronome that has kept Ford Madison at the very least attempting to tick. Well, and and you, you bring something up as well. Um, in, um, the, the, um, match, they noticed that they noted again against FC Tucson on my rewatch that we're lowest in the, in the division in, in, um, conversion rate so yeah you could absolutely have more you could have easily had a lot more assists if we were just better at converting um just to give you more examples of just how high up the list he leads the team in or pardon i think is uh uh no leads the team in in interceptions with 41 uh is first in the team on in tackles with 70 and first in the team uh, on tackles one with 49. So he's not just been doing it offensively, but you can tell just how well he reads the game. You know, he's going to snuff out attacks and, and, and make interceptions and do all the things that you need a defensive center midfielder to do. Um, and one of my, you know, longstanding principles is defensive center mid in a lot of ways is the most important player on the pitch. And so I think, you know, you, the other thing that you don't see is, you know, if you're not tracking these statistics, that he makes our back line better, that he makes our attack better, that he not only, you know, does both of those things, but links them very well. And, and we've had, um, disorganization in the midfield in front of him, um, a little bit, but despite that, you, his quality has just shown through. And one of the things I think whenever you talk to a forward fan about Aaron Malloy, it's like, it sounds kind of bad when you say it, but it's like, boy, I really hope we don't see him next year because he's so good. He deserves a chance further up the the pyramid. I think, you know, would be my feeling about it. 
Yeah, no, it's he's one of those guys where I expect him to be on a championship team at the very least. Like, I would be shocked if he was not on a championship team. I would be shocked if I wouldn't be shocked if he was on an MLS team, even if it's the MLS two for next year. Like, it would not surprise me. He is good. And if he comes back to Ford Madison, I will jump with joy. But I am expecting him to not be in this league um, next year. It's, yeah, he, he is good. He's too. He is very good. And I think if Ford Madison was having a better season, I think he would potentially have been up there in that MVP race. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, like you know, and and we saw this actually with the um, performance of of Paul Pogba in the first couple of weeks of the uh, uh, season for Manchester United. He was on pace to have something to score, something like. Um, 487 assists. He had seven assists in the first like three weeks or whatever. Obviously that's cooled off since then. Um, and, and so, you know, we look at statistics like assists to evaluate a player like Aaron Moy, not necessarily terribly fair to him um, overall, because, you know, so much is dependent on, on who you're, you're uh, linking up with what the conversion rate up front is and so on and so forth. Which is but, why the chances created is much more noteworthy than yeah. the assist, because that at least tells you he is making the chances and he is, he's doing what he needs to do. Yeah. And, and related to that, I was going to say, if the listeners are interested, actually, um, uh, I bring this up, uh, Paul Pogo specifically because he was the uh, motivator, great podcast put forth by the uh, Athletic with Michael Cox, uh, the, their tactics podcast, and they also have a, a more analytics data guy. And one of the things they looked at it about a month ago on on that was talking about the various ways that you can evaluate a player's contributions to scoring goals that are sort of better maybe than assists, which have aren't necessarily you know dependent on on uh, uh, that player. And so I think if we looked at some of those ex- advanced metrics as well for, for Molloy, you, you'd see all of that. Um, transitions into actually uh, the FC Tucson match because he scored a, a goal in the second half against FC Tucson. Um, and you were uh, at the wedding uh, of good friend of the pod, uh, Jake, uh, one of the founders of uh, Chicago Blackfires and uh, a huge GOAT team fan. Uh, so how was, how was the wedding and how did you watch the match at the wedding? And I can't imagine Jake minded, however you were watching the match. <laughs> so we, um, the wedding was beautiful. Um, Jake looked great. He had this tux and like the jacket was kind of this like maroon, like red wine color. It looked great. His wife, Katie looked beautiful. Great venue is right at the uh, Chicago athletic association, right downtown, right next to uh, millennium park. It was a, the, everything about it was beautiful. It was a great wedding. It was fun, especially meeting a bunch of people that I've been talking to on Twitter for the last two years. Um, how we watched the wedding, how we watched the match. Well, Chairman Schmidt and I, um, he pulled it up on his phone. He set it right on the table. So we were watching that during the speeches and dinner. I think the only speech, it, yeah, during the speeches and dinner was the primary times that the match was going on. Um, it was, yeah, what it was great. I had a blast. Like that was, that was one of those fun things I've done in a while. So 
Yes, that's how we watch the match. B- on based on the pictures I saw, uh, my number one uh, best dressed, I would go with uh, Rox Fontaine from yes. uh, from New York. Uh, looked like James Bond in the tuxedo, I have to say. Uh, your fit was was pretty impressive as well. Uh, describe for the listeners what you what you went with for the wedding. Uh, Chairman Schmidt looked fine. He was wearing a Ford Madison tie and and looked great. But he's Chairman Schmidt, so you know who cares. But you you had a, a, a quite the outfit. Yeah, I had a suit, just a regular suit that I've my go to, and then I had a navy turtleneck and then was i was navy. wearing my okay it looked yeah black. it, lo- it uh, looked slightly colorblind it was what you might call a midnight blue it was definitely a dark yeah it was definitely a dark blue it could like in the light it's you can tell it's like a navy like dark like midnight blue but in dimmer lighting it does look black and then i was wearing my necklace that i've always worn so that's what i had i will give a shout out to connor moore he was looking pretty good as well like he had a suit and his i, I don't know what like he had some kind of like floral design like his like his jacket had a floral design that looked pretty great as well. So lots of well-dressed people. I guess the it was a yes, like I said, people came out to dress for the occasion. Yeah, uh, theoretically black tie, I think is you know, yes. or or fancy dress or whatever you, we call it nowadays. Um so one of the interesting things about that though is you actually saw that Aaron Milloy goal probably better than we did. Um yeah. <laughs> A very odd moment, right? Because uh, I don't know if, if you know you you had the sound on, but basically the flock end did not react to the goal because it went through the goal, and so you know we're watching, and and what you see is not the the ball in the net, but rather it bouncing out for what we assumed was a corner goal kick, kick. or, yeah, or and, like and there that. was like debating, and so we thought, oh, are they talking? Oh, I didn't touch it. It's not a it's not a corner kick. And then you hear like that, and there's like a, a, a cheer, and then the, like they're jogging back, and we're like, oh wait, did we score? And you know, I, I think Aaron Malloy was a little annoyed because he's like, I just scored, dudes. Like, why aren't you cheering for me? Because he was doing his, you know, bringing his yep. arm up, <laughs> and uh, it was it was just very. And then all of a sudden, everybody was like, uh, you know, I, I think they realized we had scored, and so they started cheering. But it was like, what what? You know, because I was standing next to, you know, uh, Dan and, and we were like, wait, you know, was that a, a, a goal? Oh, it was a goal. You know, we were like, what what are they arguing about? And so uh, kind of a confusing moment. Uh, also, one of the reasons why it's always good to for us is, you know, to, to rewatch the matches on TV and why sometimes, you know, for podcast preparation, uh, it's sometimes easier to watch the games on TV because you get a little closer than you might uh, in the flock end, but a very weird kind of moment there. So, uh, you know, when you guys were at the wedding, did you see that? Did you have, were you like, what the hell's going on? Oh, no, we, yeah. So they switched the camera angle. So you know how before it's over by yeah. the scoreboard, they moved it over to the grandstand side. Yeah. Much better. 10 out of 10 recommend yeah. that moving forward. Yeah, much higher. Was, um, no uh, press box interference. Well, it's just a better straight. angle. It yeah. just felt like a better angle. So that I want to say. But yes, it was weird because when you watch the goal, it looks like it just seemed like it just trickles in. Like it just goes through a whole crowd of players. And I think because of that, I don't think the keeper was able to even know where the ball was because there's so many bodies in front of him. And you just see it just like slowly rolling. It wasn't like like from where he shot it, you would expect he had put more power, but it just trickles in. And I think yeah. that was more because of what happened. So we were able to see it very clearly. 
And it was funny because, yeah, Aaron Malloy is like rushing back and he's like getting into it and bumping the crown. It's like, oh, cool. And like for us, we didn't hear, we didn't have the sound. So we're just like, oh, yeah, he's like, he's pumped. He like, he's trying to get the fans into it. But little did, like, I guess it's because you guys didn't even realize there was a goal. Yeah, well, and I think as well, what you bring up about the the people that basically blocked our view of the goal, right? Yeah. So if the ball is not bouncing around in the back of the net, you're like, did it go well, in? You know where it went in the bottom left corner too. Like you couldn't, like if you didn't see it on the replay or from the grandstand, you would not have known it went in. Like it looked because yes, it went through the net. It trickled into the bottom left corner. There's all those people. So I can see from, especially in the flock end or those that are on the other side of the grandstand, kind of closer to where the flock end is. You couldn't tell it was a goal. And now the people that were, on the other end, they should have saw that, and they, and I, they probably did cheer. But yeah, they, one of those. I think at one point, some guy had his uh, chair above his head. I saw watching. Oh, nice. Play. So um, there was, you know, there was some excitement there. But yeah, yeah I think it was. Boy, was like goal, just like how it happened and how yeah. just like it rolled in. Um, and you know, Malloy was like, what, what's going on with you people? Like, why are you cheering for me? I scored a goal, damn it. Uh, but that, that, you know, in the second half, there was more of an offensive impetus overall. Um, you know, but it led to, and this was all game long. You saw it particularly, I think in the positioning of, uh, Jepson and, uh, Suko as well. Um, they were further, they were more advanced and there was less of a rotation back for them. I was a little surprised um, as well that, um, you know, that, that they started Jiro because I thought we might've seen uh, Gebhardt. Gebhardt, congratulations, by the way, to Derek Gebhardt, who's, um, uh, uh, you know, has a, a new baby girl, I believe in his life. And that's why he didn't play uh, on Wednesday night against, uh, against, um, um, Union Omaha, let's go, hope he doesn't go to, uh, you know, Paul Scholes for parenting tips. But you, I think if you look at like the average position of Suko and Jepson, they were much more advanced. Um, but interestingly enough, you know, average position wise, Jiro was more advanced than Tyler Allen. And I think, you know, when we've talked about this three, five, two, um, a couple of people we thought really would benefit from it. Um, one I think is Connor Tobin, who, despite the fact that late in the, the second half, there was a kind of one-on-one running battle that he had with one of their forwards and he, he held up very well. Um, but I think having the three in the back gives him a little more space and time to, to read the game. And so that's helpful. But then the other guy was Jiro, uh, on the flanks, um, you know, his ability to bomb forward and also defend, um, makes him like an ideal wing back, I think. So, but, uh, so we saw, you know, Derek Gebhardt, but our two goals, uh, one was conceded on a penalty kick in, uh, the eighth minute, uh, on a counter. Um, you know, some people said not a penalty. Uh, now I've just basically undercut, uh, our position on that by pointing out that we're a hundred yards away and, and can't see very well. Um, but our, our feeling was, um, you know, sorry, the, the, the penalty kick goal was in the 16th minute apologies, not the eighth minute, um, from, from Charlie Dennis. Um, but it looked like a clear penalty to me. Um, yeah. Is it a soft penalty? I can see where someone can make that comment, but once Eric left his feet and went in sliding, especially in a league with no VAR, that's going to get called. 
And, and that's get- one where if the roles were reversed and it was a Tucson player that did it to a Ford Madison player, I would expect it to be a penalty. So I, and like watching the replay, like it looks soft. Yes, but it was definitely a penalty. Like I have no argument against it. Like even when it happened live, Andrew and I were both sitting there like, yeah, that's going to get called. Yeah. I mean, he didn't get the ball. The ball was well clear. That's, you know, that's just going to get you in trouble. Um, it was a case where, you know, Leonard was kind of on the, on the Island. Um, and it, it, it highlighted something actually earlier in the match. Um, you know, we knew with Leonard and, and, uh, having played as a, a, a midfielder and with Connor Tobin, you know, kind of wanting to take the game by the scruff of the neck a, a little bit, you know, knowing that their backs were against the wall, he was probably going to get forward. And, Early in the match, there was a moment where uh, both Leonard and and um, and uh, uh, Tobin were advanced into the midfield on on pressuring, and I, I noticed Cyrus Rad and Leonard actually had actually had shifted out. I apologize at this moment. What had happened? This ball was out on the right wing, and and Rad uh, was kind of in behind Leonard recovering. And what I noticed is his run wasn't as central. And if you have, you know, if you're playing three in the back, if one of them steps out, you have to get more central. And, and all night I noticed that a, a little bit Leonard and, and Malloy or Leonard and, and rad when Tobin went forward, you didn't see him squeeze in a little bit. And I think particularly with the second goal in the, in the 24th minute from Rodriguez, what happened was, Rad was deepest. Uh, Leonard had gone forward into the into the midfield. Tobin had gone forward into the midfield, and and he was the last guy. And he was still sort of isolated out on the left, rather than getting all the way central. And Rodriguez just made that that run, and Rad was slow to react. And they just played the ball, and and he was in. Tyler Allen put a valiant effort in and recovering. And you see saw how fast uh, Tyler Allen was. Um, but it was a case where it was something positionally that I just felt like we didn't do a good enough job. If we were going to push forward as much as we were, if we were going to push one of those and play two in the back, the other two needed to know that they needed to get more central um, when we were out of possession. And so I think it was just a small tactical adjustment that cost us there on the counter. But, you know, there were a couple of moments where, you know, they, they had counters and, and that goal, there was another moment where uh, off of a corner kick, you know, about 55 yards out, uh, you know, Dan turned to me and he goes, Oh, Oh. Um, and you saw, you know, that, that the counter was developing just because we were putting so many men forward, trying to get one. We had to chase the game at that point, but two, we knew zero, zero, one, one, none of that was going to help us. We had to get goals. Um, and so, you know, when when you're unbalanced like that, those little things in your position can make a, a big difference. Well, especially when it starts from a throw in and it's like, you, well, you get to the throw in and then because of how far the throw in goes, no one is able to step up and intercept it. Like you can kind if you see it, like it, someone was making a run that Malloy was tracking. And then by the time they realize where the ball's going, turbo then tries to step up. Then Eric steps up both didn't get the ball. So that just created the problem. That's what creates that giant gap. It was like, there's Allen and then it was kind of rad and that was it. So, and Rodriguez made the smart run and it was a good, like it was a very easy pass to make and Rodriguez yeah. made the right run, but because of turbo and Eric both trying to step up and get the ball right away it, that, and that's going to happen when you are 
trying to press as high as you are and do that. Like you're, it is going to leave you exposed in the back. It is what it is, you know, frustrating as it was, but like you, you can, you see how it happened. You can see it from the second that ball got thrown in and no one was around that general vicinity. And then you see the guy get in terrible immediately came up and try getting it. I think, you know, if one of those two was able to get a foot in and even just disrupt the pass, that would have been fine. But especially the one, the, whoever got the assist, like if Eric's able to at, least, at the very least slow him down and not be able to turn, like that was what killed him is he got the ball and he was able to turn and kind of run with it. Yeah, but it also, I mean, it it highlights if you're reacting on a press in that situation, it's it's too late, right? Right. Um, and I was we weren't going to mention it, but you know, it's something if you listen to commentators talking about the Manchester United game, that was their problem, right? They weren't they were reacting rather than being proactive with the press. And generally, in that situation, if you don't have that pressure in the midfield, and we saw it, you know, we conceded a lot of these goals kind of early on. I'm thinking of you know, one that we conceded against Union Omaha, the first matchup, Werner Park, where if you don't have the pressure in the midfield, you can't hold that high line and you can't step way out. You know, you you can't hope to collapse all that ground, right? It's better to drop deep and absorb the pressure and keep it in front of you rather than holding that high line. So, you know, it was a, it, it's just something that... uh I would say almost year long we've struggled with it. had kind of gone away a little bit. And I think with, with, you know, Suko and Jepsen in the midfield, well, I think um, it kind of went away because we were bunkering down a lot more. So then yeah. it was less likely that it was yeah. happening. I think yeah. that, I think going back to that, that three in the back coincided with that goal happening less often because they were doing more of the bunkering than going out and pressing. So it is what it is. Like, obviously, unless Cyrus Rad would have had a lot more speed, that was goal. like not much more you can do at that point. Kind of like what you're saying. It was already too late. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, rough, rough goal. And, and in fact, uh, that's point three, look at how seamless I did the transition, Kyle, ultimately, uh, goal from Sarakowski in the 90th plus minute, but it was one futile because of the results in North Texas and two, just ultimately too little too late from, from forward Madison. Yeah, I mean, it was funny because you got that goal and off a set piece. Look at that. Got a goal off a set piece. Back. Just what we <laughs> needed. Um, and it, it was kind of a bummer because then they had another chance late in the match. Like, Gebhardt gets the ball, goes down, puts the cross in, a couple shots get blocked, and the ref blows the whistle. Like, it was, for a quick second, it was like, maybe they can pull this off. Maybe a great escape could happen. And unfortunately... The time ran out, and I mean, even if Ford Bass had gotten at their goal, yeah, North Texas, you know, eventually went out to win 4-1 with having 10 men for most of the match. But at the point, I think, of that match, it was still 1-1. So, like, there was, like, and granted, again, we don't know what would have happened, but it is kind of like one of those funny, like, if Ford Madison had scored that goal and the North Texas result held, how ridiculous would that have been? But, yeah, it was too little too late, and I think, that was kind of the that I think that's kind of the theme um, of the season, you know, with uh, I mean, having 12 draws. It does. It, it, there's definitely going to be some looking back and kind of thinking, what if two of those? I mean, right now they're they were technically four points off and, you know, the Fort Lauderdale one 
is the one that's going to stick out because that's two points that you drop. The both Toronto games, like those, so many of those draws were kind of a you had it. Yeah. And if those, if three of those change, you are right there with North Texas. And yeah. And the one thing I'll note is, you know, look, we've been proponents of Tyler Allen. I was sort of surprised it took until the 73rd minute to get Gebhardt on the pitch. And he looked in terms of substitutions that might've been too late. He looked very dynamic. I thought, you know, he was so dangerous on the edge of the penalty. Fortunately, uh, FC Tucson's nerves held and they didn't follow him on a couple of those points where he was taking a guy on one-on-one because he looked very, very dangerous. And I thought he might win us a penalty and actually sort of surprised during the course of the year, he didn't win more penalties because he's so dangerous on the dribble. Um, And so I was a little, you know, I thought, okay, let's, bring some more attacking in, right? Let's shift to maybe two, four, five. We need to get goals. Um, commending them as well. I think, you know, you, you, you saw maybe starting with uh, more in the first half of the new England game, but then as you know, there was a drop off, we could say in the Richmond game. Um, but we saw them um, push a little bit more, um, dig a little bit harder down the stretch maybe, but, they were doing it at a point when, you know, as we said, we're not getting in the playoffs unless uh, an asteroid hits the earth. You know, if we get in the playoffs, put money on because we were all but math. You know, we were not mathematically eliminated, but we were mathematically eliminated by that point. Right. I mean, you saw the list that a uh, good friend of the pod, Mitch Merman, who served as our producer when we did the live broadcast from uh, Bree Stevens. Uh, put together of, okay, these are all the things that need to happen for forward to get in. So, you know, I think it's good momentum going forward. It, it builds something for the team. You saw more of an effort, provided some excitement. I think we're going to see uh, a big effort on the last night at, on Saturday at, at Bree Stevens against Chattanooga for a variety of reasons. And you had some thoughts you maybe wanted to share about Chattanooga. Yeah, I mean, I tweeted after the match, like all you can ask is the players give a shit. And since they conceded that goal against refs two in the second game, there was that sense of urgency. There was that giving a shit. It showed in different ways, you know, obviously trying to chase the goal in revs, the Henny Derby, you know, the first half, they didn't play well, but they still got an early goal. They didn't play well. Second half, they looked like a different team. We know what happened in Omaha. We saw like they could have gone when they went down two zero to Tucson early. They could have hung, had their heads down and just given up, rolled over. But they kept going. They kept attacking and they got the equalizing. And at the very least, that shows that they still care. Now, yes, they may not be able to make the playoffs, but you can spoil Chattanooga. You can make things difficult for them because Chattanooga, if they drop points and Greenville wins, Greenville moves to second. So Chattanooga definitely has something to play for. And if you can cause chaos and spoil, if you can't win, if you can't win to make the playoffs, to make someone else's life miserable, that is my feeling on it. Um, then yeah, it's the last, it's the last game of the season. I would hope that the fans, like I know last week I went on a little diatribe about no fun losses and blah, 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 blah. And I, but I also said that indifferent. I think the thing that bothers me the most is the indifference and I want people to show that they still care. Yes, you can still be disappointed in how the season's gone, but I still want fans to care. This is the last time you're going to see Ford Madison for the year. And if 2019 has taught me anything, it's that you don't know what the hell the future is going to hold. (laughs) 
Don't don't we, take it for granted. We went to the end of 2019 after that North Texas game, and I don't think any of us would, none of us would have expected that would be the last game in Bree Stevens Field in over 500 days. Exactly. And so, yeah, just to, for, for folks at home who may not be intimately acquainted with the USL League One table, uh, Chattanooga sit on 44 points, uh, Greenville on 42. So if Greenville win uh, and Chattanooga lose, uh, that ends or up even draw or even draw. Because um, tiebreaker is the first. Wins are yeah, the first tiebreaker. Wins are the first tiebreaker. Uh, that'll give Greenville 12 wins to Chattanooga's 11. Um, Greenville will get the second playoff get a home match their first week um and you know service spoiler to the to chattanooga uh forward if they win um you know the best they can do is eighth place uh the good news is basically they can't go any lower than where they are right now which is ninth place because uh fort lauderdale and south georgia have wrapped up their season because south georgia played about 87 games in may um and then north carolina uh, is on 25 points. So, um, you know, not, I think where we wanted to be at the beginning of the season. And, and Dan said, uh, he had texted Neil, uh, at some point, uh, with the line, uh, playing a three, five, two with Josiah Trimmingham up top, exactly how you drew it up in preseason, no doubt. Um, so it's been an unexpected season. A lot has gone on. Uh, we will be back next week for our final podcast. Uh, producer Paisley will be back in the booth. Um, and uh, Kyle will be joining me. And reminder as well, if you're at Bree Stevens and you see Dan Fallon, just ask him where he's been. Uh, until next time, we say forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. <laughs>